This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. at Los Angeles 2023. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I'm Ernest Borgnine. (laughs) 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 No, I'm, that's a great film, Marty. Everyone should watch it. But I am Sadie Pines slash H. Helen Scott. And I'm Bonnie Hunt. Slash oh my god! Harry Doherty. Oh my god! I love Bonnie Hunt so much. You should listen to my Me interview too. with her. I raved about her talk show and her show from the '90s. Incredible. Love Bonnie Hunt, guys. This is a Me podcast too. not about Bonnie Hunt, but about uh, the Golden Girls, where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and talk about it. Sometimes Bonnie Hunt, and then we ran out of those episodes, and then we watched the spinoff, The Golden Palace, which Bonnie Hunt was not a part of. Um, but we ran out of those episodes too, and so now. Now we talk exclusively about Bonnie Hunt. Yeah, that's right. That falls under the umbrella of doing whatever the hell we want, which is what we do on this podcast now. Uh, And today we are doing another Golden Rewind where we go back and rewatch our favorite episodes of The Golden Girls and re-talk about them and offer new insights since we first started breaking down these episodes back in 2014 Mm -hmm. and of course it is still pride month so in continuing our pride month celebration this week we're rewatching season five episode 19 nope shoot sorry i'm sorry oh you're fine but it's not that it's season three episode seven strange bedfellows Thank you. AKA the elect Gil Kessler episode. It aired Sorry, guys, November 7th, 1987. And of course, Gil Kessler is John Shook, who we have had the plot. Did you meet him at Golden Con? I didn't. I oh. saw him though. And yeah. he had, um, he was signing black and white photos of the like elect Gil Kessler oh, campaign poster. So yeah, which was really fun. John is such a wonderful, sweet, like empathetic, awesome, self-aware human being who was so fantastic to speak to at Golden Con. I remember the first Golden Con, I um, interviewed him on a panel and we talked about this episode and I was so prepared to be sort of the voice of, um, you know, like, you know, of the modern day language in which we use and talk about some of these complicated issues that come up in this episode. Uh, And, I didn't even have to do that. John brought it up himself and John addressed it directly in the way that you would hope 
everybody would in terms of sort of communicating some of these things around trans issues and gender identity and all these different things. And I was just like, John, you're, you're the ally the world needs. You are perfect. And he's just, he's just such a great, and he's such a great actor. Oh my God. I know. I knew him from Pippi Longstocking before I knew him as Gil Kessler. What's that song with Pippi Longstocking? Pippi Longstocking is coming into your world. That song is so good. I am dying to do a Pippi Longstocking look as Sadie. I am dying to do it. Oh, that would be a good look. It's perfect. It's so on brand for me. It is perfect for me. I'm. If you did Pippi, I would be your monkey. Ah! I love it. Oh my God. We have to do, we have to do that. I also have to say we are doing pride episodes, um, but we are recording this on the same night that the Tony awards are airing, which feels homophobic. It feels a bit like that. If I am taken away from the Tony awards to do this wonderful work that we do, that part feels a little anti pride. Um, But I'm, but I'm, I'm looking at the awards as they, as they drop right now. So I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I'm so sorry. That is all on me because I'm going out of town and I forced you to record multiple episodes. And you know what? This is about um, the queer community respecting our allies needs and, and, and their lives that they also have a life to lead outside of pride. And that's what I'm doing. So I'm basically, I'm basically a savior. Yes, you are. I very much appreciate you. I'm the rainbow savior. I am the nails to prove it. I'm the rainbow yes. savior. Yes. yes. Um, do you remember um, anything that John Chuck said, particularly about yes, this I episode? Did. So John, from the very beginning of our conversation, I even think it's recorded somewhere, but I don't know. Um, John said that it was a different time, which it very much was. I mean, this was 1987. Reagan was still president. You guys know how much I hate him. and uh, And there wasn't a lot of not only queer acceptance, let alone gender identity or trans communication or language at all. And um, John was very upfront about that and how today this portrayal would likely not happen. And if it did happen, it would happen in a very different way as it should. And John was very much aware of that. And I think myself being in that on that panel, being in drag and being someone who is sort of in the spectrum of gender, that it it I told him I was like it, it's such an important thing to be able to sort of recognize just like we talk about a lot on the Golden Girls when we talked with April during the the Black Blanche episode that we need to be able to acknowledge that some things that happened in these past TV shows that we love so much sometimes the language and the direction and the jokes are not necessarily in line with how humanity has evolved in the amazing way that we are evolving. And it doesn't mean you can't watch the episode and it doesn't mean you can't, you have to stop watching the show. It just means that you have to hold them accountable while at the same time recognizing that it was a different time because you can't hold them up to standards that we live in now because it was a very different time. And But you can still acknowledge that they were wrong in how they executed Mm -hmm. it, of course. I think, too, like, obviously, you know, like, as a cishet woman, like, I, you know, I don't have that experience. I can't, you know, I can certainly um, sympathize and listen and learn. Um, You know, the way I sort of viewed this episode, I feel like 
you know, for a long time, people were like, oh, you know, this episode isn't really about a, a trans character because the reveal of the character being trans is sort of meant to be a joke. And that's the problem. I, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. And when I sort of rewatched it, I was like, you know, if you sort of if if in a in a sixth sense type way where you learn this reveal at the very end, if you go back and rewatch the episode, you could go, okay, you know, Gil Kessler was assigned female at birth yeah. and maybe he lied about, you know, him and Blanche and he allowed the lie to persist because he felt pressure as a trans man to be more masculine, yeah. to be more of a man. I was just trying to go well, back and, and rewatch it and go, is there more that we can maybe take away from this of episode? Course. Like, and what do you I think? Mean, I, I completely agree with that because there are there are two moments that really stood out to me that I think get lost in the conversation a lot of the time. So fundamentally, we should acknowledge that someone being or revealing their gender identity or their trans identity is not a joke and it should never be taken as a joke and it never should be a joke. It is not a point for laughing because the joke hinges on that this character used to be female or used to be, was assigned female at birth. And, and that, that in and of itself is a complicated area. That said, just like queer people being in the closet is a very real thing. And the fear of your identity being used against you either politically or in a job or in whatever setting you're in, in school, et cetera, is a very real thing that a lot of queer people have to go through. And so that part of it is, I think, really interesting. And I think in there, there's a scene right before Gil um, comes out, essentially, that Blanche is kind of giving him a moment of being like, this is what, and Blanche doesn't know, obviously, but Blanche is like, this is what it means to be a good person, to be a good man, to be a good, to be honest. And what I love, and we'll get to it, but what I love is that at the end, none of the ladies sort of reject him. You know, they don't say, oh, well, that, that, no, no. You know, and we don't even know how the ladies are voting yet. Like, they may have still voted for him. And so, in a way, it was kind of like, yeah, that's what I want. I want that, I want Blanche as the ally in this situation. You know what I mean? Like, I want that kind of story. But I think, I think this is, it's more nuanced than I think we give it credit for sometimes because we so quickly want to say, well, the joke part of it is very bad, which it is. But I think we need to look deeper into the episode to see the different aspects of it that might be a little bit more compelling. Yeah. 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 Totally. I think that's a good point. Well, Should we, do, we... we have a, I have to, because yes. it is pride month. Yeah. I have been going, I've been putting on my researcher hat you know, I've been the I've been a very dutiful student of Golden Girls queer history. And as I go through the files, i.e. YouTube, looking for mentions of the girls talking about anything queer, I have come across an interview that B. Arthur gave um, to the BBC. I, the guy sounds Australian, but she's in London anyway. And it's for Gay Time TV, which I mean just sounds like a like a funny, you know, SNL type sketch yeah. moment, but she gives this interview and your your gay time TV Emmy. Yeah, 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 it's so but the interview is so fun and her quote from it is so good that I felt like we had to play it. So I'm going to play a bit of this interview. The show was hugely popular with with gay people. I mean, in this country we, we would have like golden girls nights in in gay pubs and bars. I mean, why was it so popular with gay people, do you think? I may be very pro gay. 
But I think they have the greatest taste and the greatest wit, aside from being fabulous hairdressers <laughs> and everything else. And uh, I don't think you can show crap, you'll pardon the expression, to, uh, to gays. I think they're, uh, they're above it and then beyond it. And, uh, so it was our innate good taste exactly, which, which made it exactly. popular. You, you were like a family, but, but you weren't a family. But also there was that thing of you were these four older women de determined to sort of grow old without any grace at all and you were going to party on. Do you, do you think that's something that, that gay people responded to? Sure, of course. I mean, we, let's face it, I mean, uh, old age is an adversity, or at least prior to that. Certainly being gay has always been an adversity. Mm. And to say, no, I'm going to live it, I'm going to yeah. do it, you yeah. know. So do you get a lot of gay people coming up to you? The gay community. Uh, finds me uh, almost the successor to Judy Garland. I don't know. Well, you're a gay icon. No, but I, I really think it, a lot of it has to do with, um, as you say, the character of Dorothy. I was sort of the bubble pricker, you mm -hmm. know, the one who said, "Come on, let's let's level, let's 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 face reality." What I love about this, and we'll post the YouTube link in the show notes of this episode. But it's so. Did you watch to the end of this clip? I did. I watched the whole thing. Okay, so there is a so of course that 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 quote alone is makes it worth it. But there's a moment there's like B-roll towards the end where the interviewer and uh, B. Arthur are walking through the streets of London, and London is a town that I love so much, and it is I'm I'm so eager to work there again and perform there again. It's just it's just a wonderful town. But more than anything, the gay community there is just like our queer community is just like unlike any other queer community, I think, in the world. And queer queer community in general in so many cities in the UK are just so fantastic. So B. Arthur and the interviewer are walking through the streets of London. And <laughs> the people, the B-roll, I'm sure it wasn't like this necessarily, but it's just gay people waving at B. Arthur from the yeah. window tops to the interviewer goes to a sex shop with her and says, do you want to go in? To... B. Arthur, right before she has to leave the interview, she goes into uh, a shop to buy the newspaper, presumably, and she comes out with the paper in hand, and there's a large crowd of what appear to be mostly 90s homosexuals because this came out in 1997, and they're going crazy, and she seems genuinely surprised. She's like, oh, oh, and she gets in this car that is not a limo. It is like it is like a Jason Bourne type, you know, escape vehicle that you use just to drive down the street and to possibly blow up and then get rid of it real quick while you make a run for the other way. Like, that's the kind of car it is. And she gets in the back seat and she sits down and she has the newspaper and these massive sunglasses and she sees someone else on the opposite side of the car. And she's like, oh, my God, hi. Like, she's seeing all these people around the car. And then the interviewer does something cute and he's like, one, one last thing. Thank you for being a friend. And she, like... Instead of holding out her hand to be kissed, you know, she literally takes the backside of her hand and just pushes it up against his face. And it is <laughs> now something that I will forever do to anybody when I am in drag. I will just put my hand up to your lips, even if it's not offered. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really great clip. We should also mention that almost the entire time they're talking, they're picnicking together. Yes, the other is at a so, picnic, and it's so it feels so right. It was it was great, and then you're right as they were kind of walking the streets of London, and he's asking her questions, and she's like, "I just love this town." She's like Belle at the beginning of yeah. Beauty and the Beast, yes. like there goes the lady, and they're like, "Hello." <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> have you been to London? Have you been to London? I've been to England. I have not been to London. Though. How? Where did you go in England? If you didn't go to London, I know that's kind of a crazy thing. Yeah. Um. I well, I was in Scotland. I was in oh, okay. Edinburgh, and Got then it. I drove to Birmingham. So I, I was in Birmingham. I've been to Paris, but I haven't Paris, been yes. to London. London, I've spent a lot of time in London, but I also, I performed in Scotland, the Edinburgh, the Fringe Festival. And then, of course, I performed in Manchester and I've done, I've done it all over the major cities in the, in the UK. And what I love about the UK, everywhere I've been in the UK in general, I can't say, I, I can't say this for Ireland, although I believe it to be true. They love the Golden Girls. They love the Golden Girls. I would go there and people would see my tattoo or I'd be performing and I would do a bit about the Golden Girls and people would lose their shit. That's all I would talk about afterwards with with people was the Golden Girls and how what where it when it aired in the UK and there were airs and reruns there and like the Queen's or the Queen Mother's connection to it and like all these different things. People in the UK, they love the Golden Girls and thus I love them for it. Mm, yes and we have yes. quite a few listeners from the listen in the uk i get all kinds of messages from people from the uk so yeah now I, this I is like your the moment reach. this is your moment guys dm me now because i'm talking about your homeland <laughs> yes well should we take a break yes, and then should. get into yes, this episode we strange should. bedfellows we should we should cheerio mate okay <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Okay, so Gil Kessler is someone who's running for city councilman. Uh, the women are like sort of throwing him a uh, fundraiser. Yeah, fundraiser. Although it's strange, though, because you always need money in a campaign. I used to work in politics and I worked in fundraising. You always need money in a campaign. But three days before an election. as a And it's like it's like 10 people are there. Yeah, I mean, you need this is a party that should be happening weeks out before an election. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. suspension of disbelief. Yep, suspension of disbelief. So um, Gil Kessler, he's very mild-mannered. You know, he seems very nice, but he, you know, he's kind of lacking kind of that charisma and charm that the women really want him to have. You might I call was also... him a Mitt Romney. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I was... I was wondering if maybe Dorothy's super invested in him because she needs help saving the wetlands. I and mean, maybe just that could be, you know, maybe that's on his agenda. But I can also see Dorothy being the one convincing Rose and uh, and Blanche to be on board with Gil Kessler because Dorothy is definitely the type of person who will look at the candidates and will do what not a lot of Americans at this point from the Trump election we can say will do in that. They'll be like, well, I don't care if they're not flashy. I don't care if they're not showy. He's giving me the the policy that I need, the smarts that I need, the intelligence that I need. I don't care if he can't go on The Tonight Show. And we've, of course, since evolved past that, and now we vote for a TV star for president. But um, Dorothy would def- I can see Dorothy being the real champion of Gil here. 
Yeah, I can see her also being the one that's most involved in politics and yes. really like being the one to kind of spearhead all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right off the bat, you can tell there's not a lot of excitement about Gil Kessler. His slogan is Gil Kessler for city councilman. <laughs> um, do you when you OK, I have to ask you this. So when you respond to a politician, do you respond to showiness or do you respond to like do you go deep into policy? No, I go deep into policy. I'll be honest. Like, yeah, I'll be honest. I go into policy. Don't get me wrong. But I do kind of want someone with a little bit of life. You know what I mean? I want someone with a little bit of like something to him, like what Obama had or even Bill Clinton, like something, something that like just gives me a little bit of like a, yeah, you could, you could, you could do it tonight. Like you, you would be fun to hang. I kind of, I need, I need half of that. I need half policy, half fun to hang out with. I'll tell you, it's I need policy, but then I also need to know that you're not just talking out of your ass yes. in so much as yes. it, you like. Sh- and then tell me how. Yeah. Tell me the policy. Exactly. How, how are you, how are you going to get it done? Follow it up and then laugh at my joke. Yeah, and you know, I I really appreciate. I think people also who are really good at contextualizing and mm-hmm. delivering the information in a way that is digestible for average Americans. Elizabeth you know, Warren, candidates perhaps. who have previously been teachers have always Warren. been really good at that. Elizabeth Warren, oh, my yes. favorite. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's sort of what I'm looking for. Um, did you notice in this scene, because after Gil speaks, there are a few light, tepid claps from yeah. the living room. Dorothy is clapping while holding a coffee pot like, with coffee with, inside of it, like, and it's sloshing around. And, and I she's was holding, holding my it, breath. She's holding the coffee pot, not from the handle, but from, she has part, one hand's on the handle. One hand is on the bottom. She's clapping of, it. She's it's she's clapping the coffee pot. She's either serving cold coffee or lukewarm coffee, which I mean, who wants that? It, yeah, it th- that part I did notice real quick, real quick. I I was like I was incredibly worried for Dorothy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the the women are like, look, he's honest, he's right, he's a good man, but he's a wimp, is what they say. Yeah. You know, he's behind in the polls. The elections in two days. There's an uphill battle. Um. There's also a runner in this episode where there's something about him that Sophia can't quite figure out, and it's a hunch. She says, I can't quite put my finger on it, but if I could, I'd have to wash it. You know, I have that too. I have that too. I had it with John Edwards. I knew from the moment he was picked to be vice president with John Kerry. I was like, <laughs> there's something, there's something about this guy that I don't like, that I don't like him. He, there's something shady happening. And it took years to prove me right. But then when all that came out about him having an affair while his wife's dying of cancer and like all kinds of crazy money things that he did with the woman, all these crazy things. I was literally like, I told y'all. Justice. And you were justified I in was. your feelings. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you heard me when, when you continued to speak after you said, John Edwards, I let out a little bit of an audible. Yeah, you, did. you did. Because <laughs> my brain immediately went to John Edwards, the psychic medium. <laughs> and I was, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to reveal that John Edwards has been um, disproven as a as well, a psychic medium. Well, let's be real. He saw that coming. <laughs> well, sure. He's he's not a. I I don't think he claims to be a psychic of the future. I think he claims to speak with the dead, which I don't. Oh, is know that what he that does? I, yeah, he's a oh. psychic medium. Oh. In quotes. Don't you? Because... I love watching the videos. He's the one with the mustache, right? 
Uh, I don't think so, no. No, but I love watching the videos of psychic <laughs> fails on television when they're when they're all like, "Is he? Does a name start with an A or a B?" Or, or, there or maybe have been people, and and maybe I'm a little biased because again, I dated a mentalist, not the mentalist, um, Simon Taylor. A, no, not what's his mentalist? name, Simon Baker. Simon uh, Baker. He's I'm, got a very incredibly English name. Um, I don't know. No, but I dated a mentalist who taught me about like basically how you. It's called like cold reading people. Basically, how you read people and you can pretend to be a psychic. But wow. there have been people. Uh, I'm taking us way up the rails, but there have been people who have offered psychics like, "Hey, I'll give you a million dollars if you can predict X, Y, Z. If you can pass this kind of test or whatever." And yeah. no psychics ever been able to pass it. I know some people say, "Well, psychics, you know, it's not always." they can't turn it on and off whenever they want. And there's certain types of psychic abilities that they have. Um, I tend to believe in it less, but I'm open-minded. I don't really care how about did it. We one... Oh, that's how we started talking I don't about care psychics. about it one way or the other, but there is a documentary you should watch. It's about James Randi, who I don't know the name of the documentary. off my Just Google it, James Randi documentary. He was a, a, a magician who spent the later part of his life. He died at like 92. Um, and came out late in life, like out of the closet, like a really fascinating guy. But he would go on the Tonight Show and stuff and debunk all of these like psychics and these magicians who like were saying that they could like bend spoons with their mind and stuff. And he, because he was a genius magician, he was just proving that these people are all just like smoke and mirrors and it's all just lies. And they can't, if you take out one element, they can't, they won't do it. They won't be able to do the thing that they say they can do anywhere, whenever. And mm -hmm. it's a great documentary. You would love it. Sorry. Back to Golden Girls. No, that's great. I feel like most mentalists are like, this is magic. This isn't real. Yeah. Which, whereas I feel like psychics are like, no, this is real. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't mean to sour anybody on psychics. That's my personal opinion. If you believe in psychics, like I said, I'm open. Yeah. Um. Okay. So um, Gil accidentally leaves the folder at the house. Blanche agrees to bring it back. Uh, very begrudgingly, she's pissed. She'd rather Blanche's bring it back than wash the dishes. At the beginning of the episode, the which, becomes, which becomes a very scandalous part of the second uh, scene in this episode. But, oh my God, her in that red dress with the little peplum sort of like, oh my God, it was so cute. Yeah, it was a hot, sexy, like revenge. Blanche's dress. outfits in this episode in general, because in the second scene where they where they find out about the news about Kessler from the newspaper, <gasps> and Blanche walks in in that nightgown that looks I like some Grecian sort of that beautiful. I know nightgown. I literally told Michael, I need that for a show. Please make. Oh, one. hey, if Michael makes one for you, will Michael make one for me, and then we can both wear it? Probably. Yes. Is that a thing that could happen? Yeah. Um. Okay. So the next morning, Dorothy, Sophia, and Rose are reading the paper, and we have to play this moment. Which this moment ends in what I think is the best joke of the episode. What, Rose? What? They caught Gil Kessler having an affair. Oh, you're kidding. With whom? Well, they don't know her name, but look, they hid in the bushes and took this picture of her from behind going into his house. I don't believe it. Wait a minute, that looks like Blanche's red dress. And those look like Blanche's red shoes. And aren't they her diamond earrings and gold bracelet? That little floozy stole Blanche's clothes. <laughs> like having Agatha Christie right here in our kitchen. <laughs> Rose Blanche is that little floozy. You 
She's at the 50, the 40, the 30. Blanche, it's you. Oh, you're getting so good at that, Rose. Now, who's that over there? Blanche's response is just so perfect. It is so mean, but it's so funny. It's it's almost like it's not even mean. It's like it's it's like she's proud. Oh, you're getting so good at that, Rose. Now who's that over there? It's so she, good. It genuinely is like she's cheering her on. I love that joke so much it, because like it's it just, again it goes just to speak so much to those characters. It's so so funny. Um, okay, so I have a question to ask you yes, as as a journalist now. These women are not reading like the Inquirer. No, they're, they're reading, reading a, a reputable yeah. newspaper. Mm-hmm. A journalist took photos or saw photos of a woman arriving at Gil's house, leaving two hours later, knowing it's election time, and prints quote news that yeah. he's having an affair. Yeah. How irresponsible is this? It is irresponsible. Um, and it it, it and this is not new but it likens to who owns the newspaper because there's a long history in this country of ours and all over the world of the ownership of papers having a political bias. And so you think about like Hearst, for example, like uh, William Randolph Hearst and all of his papers and the things that he would say about certain politicians or whatever it is, you know? So it makes me wonder who owns the newspaper? Because is it owned by a or is it possibly owned by someone who supports the candidate running against Gill or whatever it is? And that is one scenario where I could see it happening. Also, you have to remember too. There was the politician in the eighties. He's been brought up on on uh, Jennifer Flowers, I think her name. I don't know what her name was, but there's a politician in the eighties who had an affair with some woman and it became sort of like the first sex scandal of like a presidential campaign. So this really was the era of the start of sort of like political sex scandals. So I could see it kind of happening, but maybe not that quickly because this literally happened within a span of like a night. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it happened in a span of a night and they've already reported that Gil Kessler is holding a press conference. So they clearly had reached out to Gil before they published Mm -hmm. the story, not for a comment, but to let him know. And so then he could tell them that he has he's going to schedule a press conference. It all happened so, so very quickly. And it's all being. Um, I mean, kudos to the reporting team, because sometimes it is hard to report that information that fast. And that is that's CNN breaking news level of reportage. And they're getting it. Yeah. In print. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also funny, too, just because Gil is so far down in the polls. Like, mm-hmm. it also just feels like whoever he's running up against probably doesn't need this. But yeah. um, but what's even more disappointing than the lack of sort of journalistic integrity is that the women actually believe mm-hmm. this newspaper. Yeah. Uh, let's play that exchange. Oh, now, wait a minute. You girls don't believe this. Well, I mean, I'm not denying that's me in the photograph, but I am denying that anything happened. I just dropped off his folder. Then why does it say here that you were in his house for two hours? We were just talking. Then why does it say the explosion was so great it shattered windows in the building next door? (laughs) Rose, that's an article about an earthquake in Guatemala. That is so... I mean, Rose, we know 
from the show has a history of not only un- misunderstanding how newspapers and one ads and other things work. Well, it's because um, she's always getting hit by one. She's, yeah, she's always getting hit. Exactly. It literally made me think of the episode where Dorothy put an ad in the paper for like a second job or something. And the literally the ad said, we'll do anything for such and such dollars. Like something ridiculous. And it, Yeah, we'll do anything for $7 an hour. Which is so fucking funny. Like... Please make Rose the editor of a newspaper. I want to see her, how she would handle that newspaper. Everything would be about cats. Yeah, it'd be a lot about cats, a lot of recipes, um, a lot of advice. Flurkin, nurkin, flurkin. Yeah, what to do. You know, the weather forecast would be like, well, if it's not raining, you have to have sex until it rains again. Uh, It would just be, it would be a wild roller coaster. And I think it would be incredibly Wait, 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 wait. The the weather section would be so funny. How would they rate the level of sex you have to have in order for the weather to be good that day? Right. <laughs> right. Like Tuesday, partly sunny, oh! just giving hand jobs, just doing hand stuff, guys. And then one day would be like uh, the costume that her and um and and her husband had to wear that one of her that she had one of her the kids sandwich the sandwich costume like or liter- the cheese between them for whatever it was, but the costume that the two of them had to wear in order for Rose to get pregnant with her like sixth child or something like mm-hmm. that would be Friday's weather day forecast. Yeah. And then the, they would have horoscopes and it would all be determined by like throwing a herring toward the sun <laughs> how or many, something. How many herrings is dependent upon how good of a day you have? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be a six herring day. Oh, God. So funny. I want to oh, read. Oh, and then, of course, for the comic section, that's what the crow said. Yeah. <laughs> they would just reprint that same comic week after week. It basically, because... every newspaper would be Groundhog Day. It would just be yeah. the same newspaper every single time. I would I would subscribe. Oh my god. I kinda wanna do that now. I want to put out like a St. Olaf paper and we'll work on that. Rose someday someday when we write a book, we'll we'll incorporate that into a book. Be like a Banksy thing. We just like leave it around <laughs> Los Angeles. Um okay. So the girls don't believe Blanche. That's that's the where Yes. And yeah. here's the thing. It is uh, their behavior is so incredibly disappointing on so many levels in this episode. Yeah. But to start, if Blanche did want to sleep with Gil Kessler, we know Blanche. Blanche would have made it known mm-hmm. because she never holds back from telling no. the women when she's attracted to a man, especially if there's a chance that the other women are attracted to him as well because she loves the competition. She loves to swoop in. They so, also know the type of men she goes for. It's not just any man she goes for. So, like, it, I think it's clear that Gil is not her type. Yeah, she's already basically called him kind of a dud. Yeah. We also know that Blanche has told the women she would never sleep with a married man. Mm-hmm. And Gil is married because the mistress doesn't get the good presents. Exactly. The wife always does. Exactly. So, the women, Blanche is like, yeah, no, that didn't happen. The rest of the women, they take Blanche at her word. But then later, while they're watching Gil's press conference, he admits, yes, I'm having an affair. And when a reporter says independent sources identified the woman as Blanche Devereaux, which the sources are male reporters in the room, Gil's like, sorry, Blanche, and just kind of confirms it, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is really disappointing. Um, and now the women 
don't believe Blanche anymore. Yeah. Um, Sophia is already calling People Magazine Which about an article so that's funny. like politicians I mean... who sleep with sleazy broads, and it just I as soon as she said that, I was like, I know it's a joke, but I was immediately like, oh yeah, Monica Lewinsky, and I was thinking of like Chandra Levy and like yeah. men in these positions of power. Yeah. And the women who were really like they were just completely turned into villains and it's horrible. It was just, it was I mean, horrible the way yeah. that we treated Monica Lewinsky. However, as a many years on subscriber to people magazine, I want more Sophia's out there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> also, did you notice that when Sophia walks into the room in that scene, Dorothy is lying on the couch asleep with the newspaper over yeah, her face. She's literally, I mean, yeah, that's weird because I feel like the crackling of the newspaper would wake me up. But also, like, yeah. like, they, like newspaper smells like the ink. I feel like when you wake someone up, like when I get woken up, if I'm, I am more the surprised Blanche, oh my God, my wife's home, run around the room. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm on panic mode if I get woken up suddenly because something mm-hmm. I think something's wrong. I think I need to do something. Like, I'm that. Whereas Dorothy literally was like, snooze, snooze, snooze. Ma, I was sleeping. Like, it's so lucid and so clear, and there's no even pr- pretense of her being groggy. Yeah, I'm always groggy. I'm like, what's the matter? What time is it? I'm very much the Sophia, like, not now, Salvador. I've been cooking all day. You know, you know how I mean? you can like- tell I've been asleep, and this is ridiculous of me but i have to sleep with the palm of my hand on my forehead like it's just it's a i don't know when it started i don't know how it started but it's how i sleep where i will literally be on my stomach with my palm on my forehead like this and so i will wake up you know of course with the biggest red mark on my forehead have you tried a sleepy mask yeah, they don't work for me because they always fall off throughout the night. I don't know why. Like, I always wake up and I have to find it in the bed somewhere. And then it's under the bed and then I you have, like, seven under the most. bed. You can tighten most. Yeah, but who wants something that tight when they're sleeping? I don't. You know? I mean, it's... I like the snug fit. I don't want snug. But because I do that, that's how you can tell I've always been sleeping. Also, fun fact, Frasier also now sleeps like that. He'll he'll get that's funny. He'll, he'll get into these modes where he's sleeping, and then he'll take his face, his little paws, and he'll put his paws over his head like this, and it's like he's sleeping just like me. It is that's adorable. really really yeah. cute. Yeah, that's really really cute. Well, this is the moment in the episode where uh, we take an act break. So, how about why don't we all lie down on the couch, put a crinkly, uncomfortable newspaper over our <laughs> eyes, and take a two minute pussycat nap for this ad break? Ooh, So Blanche keeps telling these women, hey, I did not sleep with this man. It's not true. I will not eat green eggs and ham. I will not eat green eggs and ham, (laughs) Sam, ma'am. Rose is like, look, we believe you once once Blanche and we're not falling for it again. Um, And then I think we'd have to play the next moment here. Blanche, come off it. You really expect us to believe that Gil was lying on television in front of a million people? People lie on television, Dorothy. They do it on 60 Minutes all the time. (laughs) He's a married man running for election. Why would he say he had an affair if he hadn't? I'm sure I don't know. And I also don't know why you just assume I'm guilty. Uh, 
Can you give me one good reason why I would lie to you? You're embarrassed because you seduced him. You're scared and you're guilty because you ruined his campaign. Three good reasons. <laughs> oh, shut, shut up, up, Rose. <laughs> I think Blanche is foreshadowing the Clinton Lewinsky sex scandal. Maybe. I'm just, I'm so disappointed. Like in our last episode, the women were the greatest support systems for Rose in the last episode we watched. And here it's like, you know, they have known Blanche a lot longer than Gil Kessler, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't matter. They just assume she's the one who's lying because yes, she dates a lot of men. She's very sexually active, but they're shaming her for it. You know why I think that is? And I see this a lot. I think because when someone has a sex scandal or like something is revealed, you know what I mean? It's because it's never like a medical thing or like a whatever that they automatically go, oh, well, you brought this on yourself then. I mean, this is like because of how you live and you being so slutty. And literally, I feel like slut shaming and sex shaming is like, and I mean, look, look at, look at sex workers. Like it's like they say, it's the oldest profession in the world, but yet it's also like the most reviled profession in the world to this day. And it's just like, it's because we have such shame around sex fundamentally that I feel like it makes sense why Dorothy and Rose are turning against Blanche because they're like everybody else in a way that they're like, they don't live that like They don't live like that. So clearly because Blanche is a little bit outside the box in terms, in terms of how open she is sexually that, you know, she, she had this coming and I feel like that happens with a lot of people and it's so unfortunate. I know it. It just it it sucks. It reminds me of the episode where uh, the triangle in mm. I think it's season one where Dorothy is dating Elliot and he comes on to Blanche and nobody believes her yeah. because they think that she's just jealous and yeah. it is the 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 sort of sex shaming. Um, Look at that what they... we did to Britney Spears. I mean, she's mm-hmm. a great example. We sexualized her and then we called her crazy and there was no. There was no gray area to it. It was just like, oh, well, you were slutty and now you're crazy and Mm -hmm. we're done with you. I mean, like, and that's kind of how we treat women, especially sexual women. I mean, men who have sex and who are openly sexual, maybe with the exception of maybe gay men, but like straight men who are very like having sex left and right, they're applauded. They're they get everything. They win the presidency. I mean, yes, Leo does a lot for the environment. He does a lot to fight the climate crisis. He probably is out there saving the wetlands. I also don't want to shame someone for, I mean, yes, I I do think on my, my own opinion, I think it's sometimes creepy. However, they, everyone is consenting adults. Like I get, I, I'm not going to be one to judge necessarily that, but I do think it is strange that he's never dated anyone over the age of 30, but that's just my opinion and I'm not shaming him for that. I would never hold that against him or if something happens. But then again, that's a great example though, because if he was a woman and he was had been doing what he's been doing his entire career and then something bad happens, oh my God, he'd be canceled immediately. He'd be shamed. He'd be put away. And it's like just because of what he prefers, which is, you know, 20-something-year-old women, which is, again, not my boat, but I'm not going to judge it. 
Not going to judge it. He hangs out with a lot of women on boats. That was a really interesting <laughs> to say. Not I've never heard anybody say not my boat. No, not my boat. I've heard not my cup of tea. I but... know, but I mean, you know, it's. I feel like he probably owns a boat. Yeah, multiple. But so the women, you know, they don't think that Gil would lie just because he's married and he's running for election, which like married men lie all the time. Male politicians lie all the time. Sure. Okay. Blanche... And then this moment kills me. Blanche can't believe that this is happening. She's like, how can you not believe me? You're my two best friends. Mm -hmm. And Rose says, how do we know you're telling the truth about that? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Too much. Too much, girl. Seriously? Too far. Too far. Like, rude. Yeah. So um, there is a funny moment where um, the phone rings and Blanche picks it up and she does like that. How did you get this number? No, I will not. You lose this number. You, do you pretend you never knew me? And then she's like, Dorothy, call Stan. And I'm like, Stan would have their number. Um, but anyway, because, you know, she says, how did you get this number? Yeah. Um, although, I don't know. I feel like if he was bothering them enough, they've probably changed they it probably multiple times. They probably changed it a few times, I bet. Yeah. So at Gil's office, um, Blanche storms in. There's a really fun, like, ma'am, you can't go in there moment with the yeah. secretary, which I thought it was going to lead to a joke because we've seen that so many yeah. times. Yeah. And there wasn't. And I was like, oh, no, it was just a straight, ma'am, you can't go in there moment. Okay. <laughs> um, and then Blanche uh, confronts Gil in a, a moment that I think we should play. Yes. I ought to kick your butt from here to Tallahassee. I'm sorry, Blanche. You're sorry. Do you have reporters badgering you? You have roommates calling you a liar? You're the damn liar. Well, I wouldn't sleep with you if you were the last man in creation. Now, why did you lie? Well, the reason why? is I was trying. Why? It all started. Why? Nobody ever listens to me. Quit whining, you wimp, and tell me why you lied. That is the reason. Nobody ever listens to me. They never have. I'm a wimp, just like you said. At least I was until today. Blanche, when the newspaper printed that story about my having an affair, people stopped thinking I was a wimp and they've started listening to me. I couldn't tell them it was a mistake. Are you trying to tell me that people like you better now because they think you went to bed with a gorgeous, intelligent woman? She is kind of bad when him a little bit. She's what? She's kind of bad. Like, I wouldn't be able to get a word in if she kept going, why, why? why? I'd be like, give me a second. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and that's the joke of it. I do love, I feel like her, like, southern accent comes out even more when she's angry. Didn't Rose drive to Tallahassee in the last episode? No, she drove to Tuscaloosa. Oh, Tuscaloosa. Okay, yeah. Tallahassee's yeah. in Florida, right? Yes, I yeah. believe so. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we don't live in Florida. <laughs> um. So... Uh, Okay, so Gil says that when the newspaper printed the story, people stopped treating him like a wimp and started listening to him. So that's why he lied and said it was true. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it is the double standard we were kind of talking about between men and women, right? Where he's sort of respected for like sleeping with a hot woman and like getting into a scandalous love affair. But if it were a woman sleeping with a man who was helping on her campaign, she would be trashed so quickly. Um, and also another issue I have with Gil. So I know Gil is supposed to be likable in this episode and he does come off as sympathetic, but he's also married. Yeah. So either 
he's letting his wife believe that this affair is true, or he's told her that it's not true, but he's still sort of letting her be humiliated in the public eye. I just feel like either way, so wrong for his. Yeah, it's so kind of throwing his wife under the bus. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's ridiculous. No, I have to say, though, back to what we were talking about napping. Frazier is literally napping in the exact way that I just described myself napping. I'll post the picture. Oh, great. You took a picture? Yes. Perfect. Um, Will you text it to me right now while we're talking so I I can comment on it? Yes, please. Um, Okay, I'll look. So I do love Blanche has a line where she goes, how do you think I fail? People thought I slept with you. (laughs) I love the way she says, I slept with you. Which would, I mean, I don't know. I feel, part, part of me feels bad for Gil. Oh, I feel bad for Gil, too, especially, again, what we learn about Gil. Yeah. And, oh, the picture just came through. Um, Yeah, especially because of what we learn about Gil. Gil becomes incredibly sympathetic. Oh, my gosh, that's so cute. It look, I'm looking at the picture. It looks like <laughs> Fraser's going like, I'm so embarrassed. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly how we sleep. That's so cute. <laughs> sleep masks yeah. all the way. I have two of them in my bed mm. just in case I accidentally lose one. Mm. Um, I have a hard time sleeping without one. Um, okay. So Gil says, um, says to Blanche that growing up, he was invisible. Kids always thought he was new in town and deep down he knew, and this is like a very poignant thing that he says once we learn later, but he says deep down, he knew there was a great man trying to get out. So he went into politics. People kept ignoring him until today. And now he's thinking that he has a real chance to win. Yeah. Um, you know what this, and then this his is... whole bit, his whole bit reminded me of. And this is for What's that? all the musical theater kids out there. Literally, as he's describing his situation, all I'm hearing in my head is Mr. Cellophane. It should have been my name. Mr. Cellophane. You could look right through look me. Right walk through me. And never know my name. From from Chicago, guys. It's of course. Chicago, which I just woke up Frazier with that when I hit that. Oh, notice. no. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is why Frazier's covering his eyes all <laughs> Probably. the time. Probably. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Blanche has a really great moment where she's like, look, Gil, you're an honest man. This is why yeah. we all believed in you. But she's like, but now you're lying like all the other politicians. Yeah. And she said, like, when she's giving him this speech, again, like, Rue McClanahan is so great in this episode. And she says, you'll never be a great man without being an honest man. Which is so true. It is true. And I, I felt like I was watching a big, like a big stage production yeah. of like Our Town or something with that type of performance. <laughs> and in this moment, I actually really liked that Blanche didn't spend a ton of time making this about herself. Or making him feel How- bad, really. She's being yeah. very honest in the situation because if anyone is going to understand being judged for who they are or how they act or how they live or maybe who they're not in Gil's case, then it's going to be someone like Blanche who's going to be like, don't listen to the noise. Don't worry about the perception. Just be honest. And it's, I think, a really, they have a lot more in common than I think they thought. Yeah, I think Blanche is someone who, she is unapologetically herself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what she wants Gil to be like. She wants him to also be just unapologetically himself. And we all should be able to have that freedom. Yeah, and I, I I do think that she really does believe in him as a candidate. She's trying to urge him to do the right thing. But, you know, she could have just, 
made it all about how he was ruining her reputation and this and that, but it wasn't. It, it really wasn't. is about him. Yeah. Um, so later that night, it's election night. Everybody's at Gil's office waiting on the results. Uh, Blanche arrives being chased by reporters, which the thing that she says is so fun how in the future when she's being referred to in the news, it better be as Blanche Devereaux, 39. Which, I mean, can I just say right here and now, and this is, I'm just going to, because it's just us, right? There's no one else here. It's just us. Right. It's just, it's just you and me. Just, just get close, yeah. get closer to the mic. So, Tell me what you have to say. Whenever I do press, which I do from time to time for different things, I give a different age in every interview. You're covering your face right now. I know. That's really funny. Every, because I, I give the age that I feel that day. I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think so too. I mean, you can, if you really want to know how old I am, you can figure it out. However... I'm not going to be the one to give it to you. Not that I'm ashamed because sometimes I say my authentic age and then sometimes I don't. I never go older because who goes older? But I, but sometimes I just say what I'm feeling in that moment. And frankly, I have to say what I feel. I, I know mean, I'm not the only one I've, who did that I've, just now. I've, I mean, I've, I've, I'll, I'm just going to say it because I, this is whatever. If, if this comes back to bite me, I don't care. I did it to the New York Times. <laughs> how 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 old did you tell the new york i forget times? i forget but it definitely wasn't my age and i think i also did it to the la times this is man we're there are a lot of secrets that are being unearthed but you know what i love that on this episode and, and in real life and if you know i if I if that is what I'm known for in years to come, if I if, if anything ever big happens to me, let's say I get on Drag Race or something, I'm gonna lie about it there too. So that's just gonna be my thing. I like it. I think that's a pretty fun thing to have. Yeah, I think so too. The, the only running gag I have about my age is that you know we all know I look a little bit younger than what I am. Yeah, and um, and I do get a lot of people who are surprised that i have a child and i'm like really because i kind of had a child late in life yeah. and they're like no but you're like 25 right yeah. um it feels nice i will well, say let me tell you I, I swear we'll get back to the episode after this but i just recently joined a new gym not because it was a better gym or anything but because i did the math and i was spending the same amount of money but this gym gave me parking so whatever i just switched for that reason and this person giving me a tour of the gym was like, oh, well, why, what are your fitness goals? And I was like, to stay alive? I don't know. Like, I don't, like, <laughs> like I really don't know what, like, I don't know what goal I'm supposed to have. Like, lose weight and stay alive, I guess. And I think that was her lead into her comment because she was like, she didn't say it immediately after I said that, but she then eventually down the, down the line said, yeah, it's really important to work out more as we get older. And I was like, <gasps> just how old do you think I am? Of course, I didn't say that. And I was furious. And I was about ready because I had to go tinkle, not because I'm old. And I went up <laughs> to the bathroom to tinkle. And I was going to not take the membership. I was going to pay more to go to my old gym just because of this one comment. And while I'm in the bathroom, in the in the locker room, getting my stuff together, you know, and this, it's in Hollywood, so it's very gay. And this man, I'm presuming he's gay, is literally like model perfect specimen person, you know what I mean? And he is standing there 
naked, which I'm fine with because it's the locker room. It's what you're supposed to do. No problem. No judgment there. But then he says to me, nice nails. And I'm thinking, you're naked and I have nice nails. Duh. And so I decided to take the membership. I decided to stay with the membership. (laughs) (laughs) That was maybe one of my favorite tangents you've gone off on in a while. Yeah. Her saying, what are your fitness goals? And you saying to stay alive <laughs> I mean, is incredibly funny. That's to literally me. what I said, but I didn't think it was funny in the moment. She didn't laugh at it either. And I, it was like my honest response. Like, I don't want to die. Not yet, it's, at least. I, it's very funny. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's a, that's a good joke. Not going to, she, well, she, I guess knows my age because I had to put it down on the form, but. Sure. I get, but did you lie about it? No, because no one asked me. I just had to write it down. So I said the truth because it's like a legal document. You know what I mean? Right. Of course. Yeah. Well, speaking of assholes, right? Because of the woman, but also the naked guy. Mm -hmm. um, Dorothy and Rose are kind of being assholes in this scene with Blanche. They're being incredibly unreasonable and unsympathetic. Yes. Rose says hi to Blanche and she doesn't respond. And they're like prodding her. And finally, she's like, I don't talk to people who call me a liar. Yeah. And Dorothy is like, come on, Blanche. Like, we're in public. Don't be like this. They are invalidating uh-huh. her feelings. I mean, it's they, like they are. It's like they've been acting ridiculous towards her the entire time. And it's like, and you expect her to respond somehow different? Yeah. Like, you basically are saying you're a liar, Blanche. And she's going, no, I'm not. And now yeah. she's upset. And you're like, come on, stop feeling you're beat you're overreacting let's be civil i was very let's be civil i was so disappointed in them although the 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 traitor tramp backstabber homewrecker that came out of it was a real fun ping pong of insults back and forth that was good um so gil uh gil arrives and uh he says you know hey by this time tomorrow i could be your city councilman but he says that if he's going to win this job he wants to do it honestly so, you know, Blanche's uh, advice really got to him. He admits that he and Blanche did not have an affair. But quick question before we play the clip. If this is election night, wouldn't all the votes already be in? So, like, everyone who voted for him did it with the knowledge that he did have an affair? I mean, yes. Uh, yes, they've all voted at this point. Unless... I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, all of the, if, if tomorrow they're going to learn, unless tomorrow's election day. And maybe. This, and this is the party for the last get out the vote thing, which is a big, that happens a lot. Right. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the night before. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. All right. Um, let's play the clip. Yes. I'm not who you think I am. In 1968, I had an operation Until that time, I lived life as part-time stenographer and mild-mannered housewife, Anna Maria Bonaducci. What? I can't believe it. Yeah. That's it. There is no other context. That's it. You know what's interesting about the... It's so interesting listening to the clips because... When you're watching it, you don't hear certain things. But when you listen to when he said in 1960, whatever, I had an operation, instantly there was like a rustle of laughter that people, that just tells you how tired that joke 
even was in 1987 in that Mm -hmm. they knew where this joke was going as soon as he said operation. And it plays into the, the sort of ignorant tropes that the joke is based on, which is why this as a comedy vehicle is complicated and, and uncomfortable because you know, if they picked up on it, that means it was a common thing that people knew about. And that's, I think, the real problem with it. But I think the episode is still a great episode. It's just, it's the delivery and execution of it is perhaps just a little lazy. Yeah, I feel like, you know, because again, I, I feel like the Golden Girls really did handle so many topics well that were that were you know maybe hard for some people to talk about Mm -hmm. you know we just watched you know 72 hours and they were really really great in I feel like delivering you know responsible educational messaging to its audience Mm -hmm. and yeah with this episode I like I would love to see again because this was the time and I I would be curious to see if a Golden Girls episode would have started with the women meeting Gil Kessler and, and if Gil revealed, um, you know, that he was trans earlier, then what of the rest of the episode would have, you know, what would it have looked like? What wow. sort of educational messaging, what kind of, you know, uh, what kind of misinformation could they correct and what kind of, you know, sympathy could they create? And, I, I'd just be really curious I, to I mean, know I if that's something think... we had learned rather than it just being like the joke at the end of the episode. You, uh, you know? know, as a, I mean, I don't even think it doesn't not need to be part of a joke at the end. What I do think it could have been is it could have been a comedy of errors throughout the episode where if you, you can write it in a way that Gil maybe was being open and transparent throughout the episode, just no one was asking him the questions. You know what I mean? Right. And and it becomes an episode of the girls missing up, missing the cues or missing the clues or all of those things. And you could have gone in that direction. And then if that was the case, then maybe at the end, the reveal would be more affirmative on Gil's end because Gil was basically being open. Sure, there's double entendres and stuff. It's sort of like the Gene Pat situation where the ambiguity of the ambigu- ambiguity of the names allow the humor to sort of last as long as it did in the lesbian episode because Blanche and Rose were able to be in the dark about her being a lesbian purely because of the names of her partner or the name of her partner and that doesn't you know invalidate her partner's experience or identity or any of that i don't think it just allows the story to unfold in a natural and organic and positive and affirming way. And you could have kind of done the same thing in this situation. You know what I mean? You could have maybe at least layered it in this, in a similar way or something like that. Cause the reveal at the end is a great comedic trope. It's a great, I mean, even if it wasn't, if it was about something else, it's just like at the, like in the end, the episode with the, um, the sculptor, the artist, Laszlo, Laszlo. I mean, that isn't offensive to me because the girls should have picked up on it early on, but they were so lost in the heat of being in the moment with this artist who's attractive and who is, you know, lustful and paints or sculpts them in a certain way. And then at the end, they learn he's gay. And it's like, oh, we really missed out. We really missed that one, didn't we? Like, mm-hmm. that is a funny layering of an episode, layout of an episode. And 
I think it could have kind of been the same thing in this situation, you know? Yeah. But I like the episode. Yeah. And Sophia, yeah. Sophia knew I'm, all along. I, yeah, I, I'm, I do. I, it's, I like this episode, but it's definitely not one of the ones I watch a lot just because. Same, same. The, yeah, the sex shaming of Blanche, it's, it's really uncomfortable because it is like so much of the episode. Yeah. And then she just forgives them. It's like, it's such well, a fast thing when she, the last them. bit when they, when they all sort of like confer of like, cause Blanche basically owns a little bit of it in that. Cause Blanche is a big talker and that, that is a problem when it comes to people. You know what I mean? It's like the, the, the boy who cried wolf. I mean, there's a little bit of that. And in that situation, I like that in the end, they all were like, cause there's a reaction that B Arthur has to, Blanche basically sleeping with twins, you know, and literally B. Arthur goes, Whoa! like it is so like funny to see her do that. I mean, so in the end bit of them sort of like gossiping like girls about the people that Blanche has slept with. And then, of course, at the end of the episode, when they all hug, she puts behind her hand like her crossed fingers or behind her back, the crossed fingers. It's just so cute and so Blanche. And it just. It actually is a very strong Blanche episode. Yeah, for sure. I think, again, it's interesting, like, you know, they want to live vicariously through her sexual escapades, you know, when it's right for them. Yes. But then on the other yes. hand, they choose not to believe her exactly. because of her sexual. So it's like, it really is a double-edged sword um, or yeah. double standard. And, um, but yeah, I, I, I do love that, you know, Blanche is like owning who she is. She's a good person. She forgives her friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's why just this episode just doesn't quite, I don't watch it as much just because mm-hmm. I, I don't like the way that they treat Blanche for the majority yeah, of the Yeah, I don't episode. watch it as much either. Watching yeah. it today, I was like, yeah, I haven't seen this episode for a while. So it's not on regular rotation, but I still enjoyed it. Um, should we take a break and come back with some golden takeaways? You know, we should. (laughs) We are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that we can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, do you want to change it up and go first this week? I would love to. (laughs) So here's my golden takeaway. Gil Kessler for city councilman isn't a very good slogan. I have a few pitches. Okay. Okay. Rate them if you can, maybe on a scale of one to 10. Okay. Okay. Mm. Okay. You know the drill. Vote for Gil. Oh, like 10 being positive? Yes, yeah. of course. Um, Eight. You can be honest. Thank okay. you. That's very. That was good. I like that. It rhymed. Okay. Or kind of. Zero frill. Vote for Gil. Mm. Zero frill just makes me feel icky. So six. Okay. Okay. Ain't worth a mill. Vote for Gil. Okay. That, I'm going to say four, but I like it. Okay. That's really all I had. I was trying to find words that rhyme with Kessler and it's, you can do wrestler or like Tesla, which is a really more of a sound alike. It's not quite a rhyme. Yeah. It's barely a rhyme. It's like rhyme adjacent. Um, do you have any on the fly that you would like to pitch or am I putting you on the spot? No. Um, vote for Gil. He's no shrill. Um, <laughs> uh, 
uh, uh, Gil's a Phil. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. It's okay. You're, yeah, you're on medication for I a am on, back. I am so. on medication, so I cannot drive or be responsible for children. Um, yeah. Or, like, come up with jokes on the spot. Yeah, that's <laughs> So true. what's your golden takeaway? Uh, my golden takeaway, it originally was going to be, again, about Blanche's fashion, because I often go to that, because she, at the end of the episode, wore these amazing sort of, like, plastic bracelets that are kind of harking back to, like, bake light or lucite sort of like those colorful bracelets that they wore a lot in the 80s and i am on the hunt for them i can't find them i want them for sadie i need the earrings i need bracelets made for me that like fit my large wrists and they're very hard to find but it is all i want in drag is those are those items that blanche wears but that said that's not going to be my golden takeaway um although it kind of just is i my golden takeaway is I think somebody should start writing fan fiction because they're for the Golden Girls because there is so many episodes of someone like Gil coming on that I'm like, ooh, I want to know more about Gil's life. I want to know more about what all that, what happened with Gil and like how Gil got to that day on election day. And I think someone, possibly me, could write a fabulous short little novella on the life of Gil Kessler. I really like that idea. I think so. I think it could be good. I think it could be fun. Yeah. Be a good yeah. Read. Maybe you can have John Shuck write like a little like forward <gasps> to it or something. Oh God, he would too. God, we love John Shuck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, that sounds like a good, good, good campaign slogan. We love John Shuck. <laughs> no, that's a horrible campaign slogan. Give a fuck, vote for Shuck. <laughs> ah, that's like... a good one. <laughs> but it has to be the asterisk you. So <laughs> give a fuck, yes, vote for Shuck. Yeah. Oh my that. gosh. Let's go out on a high, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Out in the Lanai. We love you so, so much. And we will catch you back here next week for more Golden Girls greatness. And if you want to be the first to learn about tickets for the live show on September 24th here in Los Angeles, go to outonthelanai.com slash live and you can sign up and we'll let you know as soon as tickets become available and guys we are a part of mom Mugs media go so subscribe to mom plus because there's all kinds of fun things there with great podcasts i highly recommend you listen to race chaser um and you can follow us on social media at golden girls pod on twitter out on the lanai official on instagram golden girls pod on facebook and i am sadie pine slash h allen scott on everything and I'm Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us wherever you get the podcast because the more ratings we get, the more the show will get bumped up and the more people will discover it and join our lovely kick-ass community of Golden Girls fans. And as always, remember, stay golden! Stay golden! I, I was going to reveal a secret, but I was just going to lie about my age. Mm-hmm.